Hello everyone, welcome back to the main event. We hope everyone's enjoying the social media blackout that's going on at the minute so that we can help fight racism. You're back with me, Daniel. And Aaron. Aaron, those were some interesting semi-final first legs. How is your team doing after that? Pretty well, to be fair. I am happy with how it went. Got 48 points in total. I kept my captain's armband on Benzema because I'm too chicken to drop in the ranks. But to be fair, if I had have changed it, it would have been to Mbappe. So I'm happy that I kept it. Yeah. Just going through my team real quick, some notable points. I had De Bruyne, Mares, who were both transferred in. I ended up taking a minus four in the end, but that was for Kante, who got four. So that would have been points. That I mean, I would have had Casemiro playing, so I would have had three more points if I didn't do that. Yeah. But all in all, pretty happy with how the week went, and it could have been worse. I wish I had have went for Mikinos over Varane, but hindsight... Uh, I wanted some Real Madrid coverage in the end. Uh, just go through my ranks real quick. I'm now, I've risen 2,000 places, which is nice. So I'm 8,626th in the world. So for me, I had a fairly good week. 55 points, which I think was actually fairly good for just um, just like as a game week score. Uh, yeah, so my weekly rank was 655 in the world, well so that's not too bad. Um, I think that's my second highest weekly rank of the season after week one. Uh, the dreams of week one. So my noticeable points, Marquinhos with eight, Rudiger with six. I captained Chilwell on the first day. He got three points, so I moved that captain's armband to Mares. Happy days, took the punt. Kante got four points and Karim Benzema got six. I was looking at the players and of all the players that got a return, I had half of them. Class. And I don't think a lot of people would have had some of the others, like Militao, Pulisic. So I was actually fairly pleased with that. And... Marquinhos getting that goal. It seems to be the the opposite of last season where I didn't have him and you did. Mm-hmm. So I've I've learned my my lesson, and I just thought that he was a really really good pick beforehand. Mm-hmm. Came off exactly how I imagined. Really quickly go through my overall league positions. I'm now two thousand one hundred thirty seven overall. In terms of our league, I'm up to sixteenth. K Wolf at the boys, still well, well on top. He got 46 points this week for a total of 815. So I think he's still in the top 10 in the world. I'm probably doing him a disservice, yeah? Top five, he's fifth. So well done to you. Another shout out, ASA Hamad, Ahmad Hamd, 37 points, 767 overall. And Jez's juggernauts rising up to third with 53 points, seven. 165 points overall. So the the fight for second place in our league is pretty tight, but I think um, the boys are the boys this year, joining late. So Aaron, let's move on to these games. We will do a quick review of the game that's been played, and then obviously how the teams have looked over the weekend, and then moving on to what we think is going to happen. 
we will start in reverse order of how the games were played and move on to how the games are going to be played. So that is Manchester City versus Paris Saint-Germain. What a breathless game this was. How, did I'm hoping you enjoyed it, Aaron. I did. I unfortunately missed the last 20 minutes uh, because I hope no one from work listens. Uh, I was watching this at work. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw, I saw up to... I basically turned it off straight after De Bruyne's goal. Okay. And I was pretty good when I'd missed Mares's as well. But up to that point, I thought it was it was really, really entertaining. And the first half, I felt I think it kind of lulled me into a false sense of how the game was gonna go because Paris Saint Germain was just on fire. And then as you you've predicted a few times. And like the commentators were saying and some of the pundits that it's just because they don't play in as an, as intense of a league than the Man City do in the Premier League, which is why they dropped off because they're not used to keeping up that kind of pace all the time. I agree to that at a point, but you can see the, the drop off in quality. It's kind of noticeable just straight after half time. It's just a completely different Paris Saint-Germain turned up and also a completely different Man City. It's almost like it's like if you're playing a game of football downhill and you switch halves. <laughs> so I, it was, it was a crazy game. Like, we'll go with the wind. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a, a fascinating game. One thing that obviously we, we said on the previous podcast was if you think Paris Saint-Germain are going to be a danger from set pieces, then think about the set piece taker. That turned out absolutely perfectly. Angel Di Maria with the assist and Marquinhos with a goal. Man City have never been great at defending set pieces, let's be honest. So if you've got that double up, even though they're losing, I don't see any reason to change them. You're right, Paris Saint-Germain were much the better team in the first half. They had a really good game plan. But something happened that we see happen all too often. I, I'm, I cannot remember the last Champions League game that I saw where this didn't happen, but Neymar went missing in the second half. I mean, Mbappe was missing throughout the game. Mm-hmm. But Neymar consistently is world-class in the first half of a game and is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, in the second half of games. We saw it last season. We saw it We saw it against Manchester City. It, it just... I don't know what it is. is he, I don't think he, he must be fit enough like cardiovascular wise. Well, if you think about it as well, like around this time of the end, we mentioned it during the first lot of previews. He had only played like two games because he's been injured around this time every year. And then he kept getting red carded in the league. So in terms of completed 90 minutes, it's way less than the majority of people uh, who are also at this stage of the season. So I think it's because he gets injured around this time every year. And he just doesn't have but, that game fitness. For... But I think it's I think it's a mentality issue as well. I think mm-hmm. we see how someone like Zlatan Ibrahimovic or Cristiano Ronaldo or James Milner, like James Milner doesn't have the same footballing quality as Neymar, but we see how people look after themselves at a certain age, but also work hard. Like Cristiano Ronaldo is Mr. 110%. David Beckham was like that. There are players that protect themselves 
by doing the right things. And I often question with Neymar's lifestyle, he's up late nights playing poker. Like, does he train that hard? And Pochettino is a ruthless manager that wants his team to just work and work and work and work. He's a he's like a he's like a Bielsa. Well, I think actually he he actually got his philosophy from Bielsa Pochettino. Mm-hmm. So Neymar needs in order to be able to fulfill his potential. I think, and obviously this is pure speculation. I'm not the PSG training sessions or anything like that. But just from the outside looking in, I think he needs to work harder. Obviously, he does get kicked a lot, which might cause some injuries. But one thing that I noticed in this game in the first half was he got like a slight little knock and he went down and that's absolutely fine. But to go down, he actually jumped through the air and then landed on a, a complete, on his other leg. And I was just thinking, you could have injured yourself doing that. And Aaron, we're both by trade 100-meter sprinters. We know that when you're going full pelt, the slightest touch will get you will knock you down. Mm-hmm. But we also know that that doesn't mean you do a long jump at the end of it. Yeah, like you just go, like you go over really easily, but you don't propel yourself through the air and then hold on in midair and risk injury. So I don't think he's doing himself any favors. It's a foul. Just go down, get up. Yeah. Um. Speaking of fouls, before we get on to the Manchester City goals, was that a red card for you from Idrissa Garnagay? I actually didn't see it, so okay, no, no comment. Uh, okay, then it was one of the most blatant red cards I've ever seen. Um, uh, yeah, he was 20 minutes too late into the tackle, studs up right into... Jermaine Jennings kept... I, I mean, I've got so many issues with Jermaine Jennings. Said it was his Achilles. I mean, it was halfway up his calf, so even worse. But it wasn't his Achilles. I don't know why he thinks Achilles is. So it was a 100% red card. There was a challenge later on by De Bruyne that Pochettino and other PSG players wanted a red card for. I thought the referee got a spot on with a yellow. It was a little bit late, but he stood on his toe. We know that, obviously, when you stamp on someone's toe, it is not a career-threatening injury. He was marginally late and it was a foul and it was a yellow card and I thought the referee did well with that decision. Overall, the referee had a pretty poor game and even the commentators actually mentioned this that he seemed incredibly biased towards PSG. If he gave a foul one way, he wasn't seeming to give it the other, even though they were the same until the red card. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I've, I've not liked this referee for any of the games that he's officiated. I'm flabbergasted that he's still officiating I don't want him anywhere near any more games. I think he's generally pretty terrible. Yeah, he seems to be high regarded around Europe, though, doesn't he? So I'm sure we'll see him. I'm not entirely sure how. We'll see him do like important games in the Euros and stuff, I can imagine. But in terms of the Man City goals, I saw saw them. Uh, (laughs) De Bruyne's goal, um, I kind of, I thought it was my phone glitching at first. There's, there's no way that went in. Like, did I miss that? Did I miss a touch? Yeah. Did someone head it? And then it, it was no. the old, it was the old Charles and Zogbia finish. Yeah. I'm gonna cross this in, but it's on target just in case. And uh, and there were a lot of people criticising Navas, but the quality of the ball and the amount of Man City players rushing in, you could, it was just enough to make him second guess. And at this level, it shows how costly them kind of second guessing is and that's where the quality of the players comes through 
Um, and so I just thought the quality of De Bruyne again, and I was happy that even though he did get a yellow card, that that was a goal from outside the box. <laughs> yep. So happy days. And then uh, Mares's free kick, I ended up seeing this afterwards. And I I just love the confidence that Mares had to go up to De Bruyne and say, let me take this again, <laughs> a goal from outside the box. So you're happy with that as a cap- uh, captaincy person? Oh, I was running around. I was running around screaming, get in, get in, get in. Because I hear this sort of thing banded around the Twitter sphere and FPL about right decision, wrong outcome. And it's a way of people like alleviating any ownership over the decisions. Oh, well, you know, it was the right decision, but it just didn't work out well. So it was the wrong decision then. Mm-hmm. I've actually got a bit of the opposite here where watching the game back, I think I made the wrong decision and I got the right outcome. Because Mares, although arguably was best player on the pitch, maybe with De Bruyne, the pair of them were phenomenal in the game. He didn't look like scoring. And the free kick was really, really lucky because the defence twisted and broke away. It should should have just went straight into the wall and been incredibly disappointing. Backer actually had a fantastic game. I thought he was brilliant at left back. So um, I'm happy to admit that I think I was wrong to captain Mares, but it... Look, look happens. Look is a big thing in this game. Whether you like it or not, you can look at all the statistics in the world. Look, it happens or it doesn't. And I feel I got really lucky with that one. Where I was less lucky, Phil Foden, I thought, well, A, isn't awarded the assist for the for the free kick because the Champions League game doesn't do that apparently, which is nonsense. Um, but also he, he had some of the best chances, one in particular. Um, in the first half, it was one of Man City's few good chances in the first half. I think they had two, where he's hit it straight at the goalkeeper. Um, just I wrote down some commentary from Jermaine Genus for this, Aaron. Just uh, see if you can see what's wrong. He should find a corner, but he's just hit it straight at the keeper. He's almost trying to be too accurate. Just get out your feet and smash it. <laughs> so let us get this right, Jermaine. You want someone to find a corner... And even though he's hit it straight at the keeper, you think he's being he's being too accurate by hitting it straight at the keeper, not the corner. And just get out your feet and smash it is the ideal way to hit it into the corner, not trying to be accurate. Why? Why is this man still employed? I've had this a similar argument with people who are NBA fans when I was living in America. And they said that you can throw the perfect shot and it still might not go in. And I said, well, then it's not the perfect shot, is it? And they were like, no, no, like you could hit through it absolutely perfectly. And then it hits off the rim and it comes back out. I'm like, well, that that's not the perfect shot because you hit the rim. But yeah. <laughs> for some reason, just people don't understand what perfection means yeah. or accuracy. I mean, when you what the idea of just getting out your feet and smashing it means that you want how can you aim for a corner without being accurate and just smashing it? Like even Paul School said, oh, he never used to aim for corners. He did used to smash it and just see, sort of see where it went. By doing that, never says I'm aiming for a corner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was ridiculous. My only worry with Man City is the way that they play with six midfielders. They dominated the ball in this game. In my opinion, they only created two clear-cut chances in the, in the first half, and that with the Foden chance was one of them. I think they were incredibly lucky. Yeah. 
I appreciate they absolutely battered them in the second half and they run them ragged. But you'd expect that if you've got six midfielders on the pitch. I think what they were missing was someone with a goal scorer's instinct. The amount of times they actually got in behind and no one was making the runs, no one was getting into the box, no one was there to finish, was just so blatant. And I actually thought Bernardo Silva was fairly pointless in the game. So speaking about their strikers, we'll move on to the games this weekend, just so we've got a bit of an idea of what to expect. To start with Man City, they beat Crystal Palace 2-0. Crystal Palace were by far the better team in the first half, can consider themselves really unlucky. I think they even made Edison make three saves in the first half. But ultimately, Man City's class does show through, and the class starts with Sergio Aguero. Have you seen the goal? Uh, no, I haven't, unfortunately. But I've got him in my draft. <laughs> Have you? Kept the um, with Aguero this whole time. Oh, there's that the FPL draft, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so the ball comes in from Mendy on the left. It's a difficult one to control. And then he just hits it on the half volley from inside the box and just smashes into the roof of the net. And he was great. He was their best player in the first half. He was the difference in the second Ferran Torres with a great goal. Man City played a really, really weakened lineup, but there were a couple of noticeable players that played in this game from the start. Number one being Rodri, but I don't think we've got too much to worry about with Rodri because um, I think he missed the previous Premier League game, so he's had his little rest. But most importantly, Cancelo played at right mm-hmm. back, and if I'm not mistaken, it was for the full 90 minutes. I think this is Zinchenko playing left back in the next game. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing because Man City was struggling because Cancelo got booked quite early in the first half. And I, I think Pep wasn't happy with the way that he wasn't able to go in and actually challenge. But yeah. I think what he wasn't expecting was Zinchenko to play one of the games of his life and just control <laughs> that whole entire side of the field like from what I saw Zinchenko was just just putting one of the best shifts in and yeah he's 4.4 with the Man City lineup being coming out first he is one of the people I'm looking at bringing in because I've still got Reese James and I don't think he'll play uh the other semi-final yeah and so I'm looking to do Reese James to Zinchenko and then if Cancelo doesn't play, I could potentially get in Marquinhos or Sergio Ramos if he's back. Do you have Cancelo on your team? Yes. Me too. So I'm looking to go Cancelo to... We, I think we've got two of the same sort of transfers lined up. Cancelo, and I want Sergio Ramos. But I will be looking for another Man City defenders coverage. Uh, but I think what I may do is go Carvajal so go Carvajal, Ramos, Cancelo, Zinchenko, or Cancelo even to Stones, because I've got a bit of money. Mm-hmm. And I want, I really, really want Kevin De Bruyne somehow. He's just out of this world. He's the best midfielder in the world. Yeah. He's so, so good. PSG, uh, they beat Lens 2-1 at the weekend. So looking at their lineup, they didn't have Mbappe play, I think. It's just a rest because obviously he had his injury scare, which must have affected him in the Man City game. He didn't look right at all for the entirety of the game. 
Baka was rested at left back. Florenzi was rested at right back for Dagba. Uh, Di Maria was rested. So I think these players we can look to be coming in again, doing the same sort of shift. I actually really like Baka, and I think he probably would have got a couple of ball recoveries as well. Just he did really well against Mares. Goals for PSG came from dun 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 Marquinhos again. Neymar with the assist. And Neymar bagged himself a goal as well with Julian Draxler getting the assist. So I don't see any changes because of the explosive power of these players. I I don't really see the game going too differently. I think Paris Saint-Germain will have the best of the first half and I think Man City will have the best of the second half. For Man City, it's all about keeping the clean sheet. They do that and control the game, they'll win it. And I think now more than ever with the 2-1 lead, Pep will not be changing that six midfielders. I just don't think that is going to change. He doesn't need another goal. I think he'd rather be patient. That being said, I think they might struggle in the final if they go that way. No, I totally agree. Um can see it going the exact same way. So I'm just thankful that the lineups come out beforehand so that I can look to get in some of the Man City players before the final or if there is any sort of rotation from any of these teams, for example, Mbappe wasn't on the bench. I think that's just to rest him because kind of got rushed back early from his injury. Yeah. Uh, say, for example, he isn't going to play. If the injury got re-aggravated, I can switch to a Cardi. So I'm just happy that they're the first game, to be fair. Let's jump into the second game then, on that note. Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Real Madrid... Uh, and Chelsea both won 2-0 this weekend. So even footings there. We'll start with Real Madrid. Casemiro scored with a Karim Benzema assist and Eda Militao scored with an Esco assist. So it's the same names popping up here over and over and over again. What what do you make of this Real Madrid team at the minute, Aaron? I think they fell into the trap of changing everything just for the sake of trying to... like You just change the way into a team that you've not into a formation that you've not played before. <laughs> that was rough. But basically, yeah, <laughs> they they have not played that formation. They tried to match Chelsea. So you can understand why Zidane tried to do it. But in terms of trying to overcome that, the way that Chelsea play when they've been playing it for a lot longer, a lot more comfortable in the system, a lot of these players have played this formation for years back when Conte was uh, the Chelsea coach. And so I think that they, the first half, they were completely, it was all Chelsea. Uh, Werner, can't believe he missed that chance. But Real Madrid, it was rough because Casemiro wasn't able to be in a position to protect the back, like protect the defense. So he missed out on some ball recoveries from a fantasy point of view. There was times, I know they pointed out in commentary, where Kreuz would come back as the middle defender of the back three when you want him higher up the pitch. I think they missed having Ferlan Mendy a lot. When Real Madrid were losing a lot of games or like not winning a lot of games at the start of the season, there was a couple of um, people in the media who were jokingly putting it down till whenever Marcelo starts, they don't win. 
Yeah. Uh, and that didn't change until like two weeks ago when they finally won a game with Marcelo and they said the curse is broken. Um, he's definitely not the same player that we all fell in love with. I think they miss Ferland Mendy in that space. Um, especially when you have such a dynamic player like Werner, who's just he's just running for days, even though he's not gonna finish or score a goal, he scares you with his pace and uh yeah. they missed him. And so I think it's a good thing, in all honesty, that Marcelo's potentially gonna miss it because of his election duties. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's one of the weirdest. I've not even heard of that. So yeah, Real Madrid might be be grateful. I think Mendy might be back by them. We need to keep an eye out, Mendy and Ramos. I've seen a lot of hate towards Marcelo, and yes, you're absolutely right. He's not the same player. But I actually see things borderline disrespectful, like get him out of our club and things like this on Twitter. I'm sorry, but the man when you four Champions Leagues, I think he's arguably the best left-back Real Madrid have had. People will be screaming, Roberto Carlos. Did you ever watch Roberto Carlos? Roberto Carlos was the player that made me fall in love with football. It sounds really mad. Um, and it was the first non-Newcastle kit that I ever had, the Real Madrid kit with Roberto Carlos on, so I love the man. But if you ever watched him, like, he was a maverick. He wasn't a very... He wasn't the best defender in the world. He just had this left foot that everyone would pay for, I think. If you want one of them shooting, then yeah, fair enough. Go a bit with Carlos. But as an overall player, Marcelo was absolutely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And the it, amount of assists and stuff that he got for Cristiano Ronaldo was just insane. I was about to say that. Ronaldo, who's arguably Real Madrid's best ever player, if you had Roberto Carlos playing behind Ronaldo, Real Madrid would not have won all them titles. They would have been so leaky. Marcelo was needed to complement Ronaldo. And, and so it was Benzema. And like people used to say, like, oh yeah, it's just a one-man team. It was just the quality of the players. Kind of when they said that, kind of in that ballpark where oh, is Zidane actually a good manager or uh, is he actually working his magic? I think in games like this, when you need the players to kind of show their quality, Benzema showed it with that finish. That was just what a goal. Unbelievable. And he almost scored a great goal on his left foot, like a couple of minutes yeah. before that as well. They're going to be so reliant on him. It's just sad that Marcelo, that they are being disrespectful for him, but do you expect anything less from people who have booed Ronaldo at times? Because he didn't score yeah. a goal in the last game. Like it's honestly yeah. crazy. Their fans, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I remember they were booing him for the first 25 minutes of the game and then he scored four goals and he kept on running over at them, like counting them all in front. And it's like, this is your home fans that you're doing this to, not, yeah. your, not the away fans. It's not like somewhat like you expect the away fans to give you a bit of grief, but the home fans was never seen anything like it. Uh, just football privilege at its finest. Chelsea, I thought they played... So, so well. Even Tony Cruz came out and said, uh, Kante or Varane were another defend- a defender. Was it Varane, I think? I think it was Varane said, um, we couldn't handle Kante. 
And Kante was literally everywhere. He's popping up on the right wing, on the left, through the middle, holding midfield. And with me having him in my team, I'm thinking he's getting a hat trick here. It was just unbelievable. I thought Pulisic was absolutely brilliant. Mason Mount is starting to teeter on world class. Uh, just to just to go into the Fulham game that Chelsea won. I don't know if anyone's seen Kai Havertz's first goal, but Mason Mount, for me, that is the best assist of this year of the last. It's probably the best assist I can remember. A ball lumped forward 50, 60 yards over his shoulder. He's brought it down on a sixpence and then slotted it between, like in the channel between the right back and the centre back, perfectly weighted for Havertz to hit it into the bottom corner before the keeper could get there. And it's like, this kid isn't just good. He is absolutely phenomenal. And he did not look out of place in midfield against Modric, Casemiro and Cruz. He was sublime. Again, Timo Werner, I don't want to say he's going to let the team down because I think Timo Werner is actually having a little bit of the Karim Benzema's from a few years ago when he couldn't hit a bando. But he works a lot for the team. He does a lot of running and his pace causes so many issues. But this approach by Tuchel to say, you don't need to work on your finishing, you've been doing it since you were six or seven years old, is absolute rubbish. Because we've seen so many other players get better at finishing by practising. Mm-hmm. And Timo Werner's never had like amazing shooting stats. He had one good season worth of goals where he was provided with a lot of chances and he played in a team that facilitated those chances so it's not just that. Like he's never really lit, lit it up for the national team, particularly maybe like in a couple of qualifiers. But I mean, Peter Crouch nearly became one of England's top goal scorers from World Cup qualifiers. So I'm not entirely sure what to make of Werner. I just know that I don't want him in my fantasy team. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have have it. It's just a case of if he's going to play, and I don't think he's worth the risk. Yeah. I'm happy with Mountain Kante, to be honest. I thought they were great. Chelsea were unlucky not to win the game, but the weather, I think the weather spoilt their chances because the rain made the pitch so slippy that the second half was entertain, like entertaining in a bit of a manic way, but it wasn't enjoyable to watch from a football perspective. It was just quite funny to watch. <laughs> The um everyone everyone was falling over like three or four players in a row slipped and you're never going to get the best out of world class players that way, so I thought the the second half was a damn a damn squib. I'm excited for this next game because obviously Chelsea have the away goal, and if there's any team right now in world football that you want to protect a lead, you could arguably say it's Chelsea with a fully fit Kante. And yeah, with a, with a fully fit defense, um, in terms of Rudiger, Aspilaqueta, Thiago Silva, or Christensen instead of Thiago Silva, and then with Ben Showell as your left wing back, you can't yeah. be having Marcus Alonso in there, yeah. And um, so that's I think that gives the advantage to Chelsea, but Real Madrid are so good, they've been here before, it's yep. not the worst. A result like you predicted 1 1 for both games last week, you were pretty close. Um, I, I was one goal away from being completely correct, <laughs> and then uh, but in terms of this game, 
Real Madrid just have to look at this game and go, as long as we win this one-off game, we're through to the final. It just, it's it's not a huge away goal thing. Like if Real Madrid score once, it's completely, the, like the risk of extra time and stuff is obviously there if, if they draw, but they need to just go into this and go in, in it to win it. As all them slogans say, <laughs> in it to win it. Um, but you get my point. Real Madrid players have been here and done it numerous times. They know they have the experience, but I think that the advantage is with Chelsea because everybody I believe is fit. I don't know about Rudiger. He was out for FPL. Yeah, but I, I don't. I I think he's back. Yeah, I, I don't think there should be too many problems with him. He's got a few days to recover. They said he's going to be back for the next Premier League game anyway. So I've got a feeling he'll be absolutely fine. And I think if Ramos is back, that's going to be the key because you can you can just see him at corners, can't you? He's just he's an absolute predator in the box. And he'll be there. Every time he goes up, he thinks he's going to score. And that's such a, a dangerous level of confidence to be playing against. I'd I'd back Ramos to score if he, if he's playing in the next game, genuinely. And penalty kick taker as well. Penalties, yeah. Which sort of diminishes Benzema's overall appeal, but obviously got a goal in the last game without a pen. What a goal. What a goal that was. Mm-hmm. I kind of get over how good it was. Off his own head. Smashed it in. Calm as you like. So are there any other transfers that you're considering making, Aaron? So other than the two, um, I think Ramos is definitely on my mind if he's fit. I'm hoping that some of the press conferences can uh, reveal some of that. But in terms of Cancelo going down to Zinchenko, and I need to get rid of Reese James because I don't think he's going to play any of these games, even in the final. I think that if Thiago's fit, um, Thiago Silva, that is, I think if he's fit, he'll be in the final. Reese James will be on the bench. So I need to find another defender, and I'm just conf- I don't know whether to go Ramos or um, Marquinhos because Marquinhos is in good form, but obviously the massive ceiling of Ramos is there. So is there no way you could get them both in? That's my goal. If Ramos is looking fit, that's my goal. Both. Like I would have a spare transfer, and I don't know who to use it on. And it's not going to carry over, so I could get rid of Varane and do it. But if I was to use Varane, I'd probably prefer to do Varane to Ferland Mendy. I don't know. Interesting. I think that's a bit sideways. I can't see them getting... I think they make a big difference in the game. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to make too much be too much of a difference points-wise. I think if Ramos think... is playing, they'll go back to 4-4, four, four, well, 4-3-3. Four, three, three. And so in that regard, yes. I think that Varane might get more ball recovery points as a result of that. I think the three centre-backs kind of messed Varane around a little. So let's go for some predictions before we finish the podcast, Aaron. Man City versus Paris Saint-Germain, what we're going for here? I think that I'm going to go with Paris Saint-Germain 1, Man City 3. Ooh. I'm going to go with Man City 0, Paris Saint-Germain 1, Man City go through on away goals. Ooh. Chelsea versus Real Madrid? Real Madrid 1, Chelsea 2. I'm going to go for 1-1, penalties, Chelsea to win on penalties. Dun, dun, dun. Man City-Chelsea final. Although I'd definitely Boring. take a Man City. I, I, I prefer Man City-Real Madrid or a Chelsea-PSG. Yeah, but, same. 
because they faced each other. So they faced each other a few weeks ago. Uh, they faced each other in the league like next week, I think. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, they do, they do. And so, yeah, I'd much prefer a European team. Well, <laughs> well they're all, all European. European teams, Aaron. Yeah, I'd much prefer. Oh, no. not, at least Have I invited Michael Owen onto this podcast? <laughs> I'm trying not to be proved wrong. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Obviously, we aren't going to be able to advertise this on Twitter or anything. So if you do listen to it, please retweet it because we're going to have such a short period of time for people to listen by the time we are allowed to post this. That'd be really, really appreciated if you are listening. We hope there's green arrows all around. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at UCL Fantasy Pod. And we will see you next time. Thanks again, Aaron. And thanks, everyone. Bye.